Hello and welcome to another Guildhall podcast and today we're talking about our springtime opera which is Poulenc's Dialogue des Carmelites and it's directed here by Martin Lloyd Evans and conducted by Dominic Wheeler and I'm really pleased to be joined by Michelle Alexander, Lucy Anderson and Michael Vickers. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank Pleasure. Thank uh, So can you give us a bit of an introduction to the opera? It's quite a, a well-known piece and um, Poulenc's kind of one of his best but um, people listening may not have heard of it or know much about it. Blanche. Do you want to start? <laughs> well, I could do. Um, so I'm Lucy. I'm playing a character called Blanche de la Force. Uh, the opera is based on true events, uh, based on the Carmelite nuns uh, from Compiègne, uh, near Paris in France, who um, were victims of the revolution, essentially, and became martyrs and were condemned to death because they uh, refused to give up prayer and their lives as Carmelite nuns um, and so they were executed in Paris in 1792 and famously they sang their hymn the Salve Regina as they mounted the scaffold so it's the story of the nuns who sacrificed themselves and several of the characters in the opera are real people or were real people and um, Blanche is not uh, actually uh, she's a fictional character um, but it's following her journey from uh, she's nobility, she's from a very wealthy family, um, but she has what they refer to the opera as peur or fear um, of everything in life, essentially. <laughs> Anxiety. That Which nowadays you would just you would diagnose as a some kind of anxiety disorder. But she, her family consisted of only her father and her brother. Um, her mother died when she was giving birth to her. So basically, Blanche has lived with this all her life, kind of feeling that somebody else's life was given so that she could live. And her father has never really been able to get over that. And her life has been impacted by this. Mm-hmm. And so she seeks refuge with the Carmelite nuns um, and meets several characters in the convent who influence her and really make her a stronger person, even though she doesn't necessarily know it until the end. I think the interesting thing about her strength, though, is that it doesn't doesn't just follow the traditional, or certainly our production doesn't follow the traditional stereotyping of these perfectly holy, pious women, Mm -hmm. but individual characters that have a real struggle to Mm -hmm. make a decision, and whether actually the decision was really a righteous one or not. Mm -hmm. There's a few things that suggest in the opera depending on how you look at them, whether actually martyrdom's a choice you can make yourself or whether it's something that happens post. Um, I think that's something that we've been talking about in rehearsals, mm-hmm. but it's really put a different lens over the opera, for me at least, because mm-hmm. it's no longer just a group of women that went, right, let's, let's do it, let's become martyrs, but mm-hmm. real women that have had struggles in their life that have led them to a place where this seems like the only resort left. Mm-hmm. Because it's a, it's an active choice they make in the opera, and it's quite interesting that you, you say that because it's quite it sounds like it's quite a an opera that deals with morality and spirituality and religion in quite mm-hmm. realistic ways. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's quite interesting that you say that. Yeah, is martyrdom a choice or something that happens after the fact? Yeah, and it's so I'm I'm playing um, the Marquis de la Force, which is Blanche's dad. Um, at the beginning, I'm also playing the officier later on. Uh, it's kind of interesting having 
in that line of thoughts about morality, having two kind of keystone parts of the opera, because I start at the beginning with this kind of distanced elderly man who mm. couldn't really care less, or if not couldn't care less, he finds it so difficult as to distance himself from it. And later on, to see kind of throughout the opera how Blanche develops with the other nuns, to see how she goes from somebody ruled entirely by her anxiety to being somebody that makes a definite choice for herself. I suppose the question is also whether it really is a choice or whether it's just another development of her own conditioning, but that's a choice for the audience, I yeah. guess. <laughs> and how do you fit into the opera? Um, I, um, I play Madame de Toin, who is the, the, the new prioress. Um, so in the first part of the opera, Lucy Blanche is uh, guided mostly by the the first prioress who who in a lot of ways they have a very special relationship yeah, yeah because they sh- uh, it, it's discovered that you you want to have the name that she actually yeah. chose for herself so Blanche is the final um, novice to be admitted uh, into the um, the Carmelites and there is a very sort of in-depth discussion with the first prioress um, at the beginning of the opera in which Blanche says that the one of the attractions to becoming a nun for her are the rules and the order of the Carmelites and she she does seek refuge there um, and protection from them but the important message that the first prioress tries to give to Blanche is that it's their job to protect the order of the Carmelites not the other way around yeah. and they have a very poignant moment where the first prioress asks Blanche if she's chosen a name for herself and Blanche says, yes, Blanche um, de l'Agonie du Christ, which is the same name that the first prioress um, chose when she became a novice. Mm. And so they have a really special relationship. And so her death has a really profound impact on Blanche. Spoiler alert, sorry, she dies. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, She's really Blanche is really affected by that um, throughout the rest of the opera, and there is a, a one of the running themes is as a spiritual person, and when you die, and when someone else dies, does God choose how that happens to you? And sometimes is there an element of he chooses the wrong one for the wrong person? And I think that's something that just is a running theme through Blanche's life. Well, and so. This relationship that's established between Blanche and the first prioress is, is I, I feel like it's a theatrical device to kind of show just how important this first prioress was to this whole community. So I'm coming in at this, uh, my character, Lidouin, is coming in at this time where not only is there so much unrest outside the community, but she's also having to kind of pick up the pieces um, when they've lost someone who's who's very close and dear to them. And then they've been kind of overseen by Mère Marie, who is, mm. we've, we've kind of gone the direction that she's a bit... Uh, she's, she's got very strong... Mère Marie is the uh, assistant. Rottweiler. She's basically the Rottweiler of the, yeah. the convent. But she's, she's what someone who sticks to her beliefs so strongly. And Madame Lodouane is kind of willing to... Not bad the rules, but she sees. Compassion. She doesn't see things yeah. in black and white. Yeah, and the way that the direction that we've taken with the opera, at least, I'm also coming in when there's been lots of talk already of martyrdom and like taking this vow mm-hmm. and and these things. And Lidwan is very much of 
the belief that you don't choose to be a martyr. You don't choose, you, it's something that's a gift. Actually, one of the lines she says exactly is prayers are duty and martyrdom is the reward. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I'm very much at odds with memory through the entire opera. I, I, because memory is very much like, yes, let's take this bow. Let's die for God. Let's do all this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, hold your horses. No, (laughs) this, you know, because, um, Oh, the essence I've I've got from Lidwana, she's very, very much a nurturing, motherly type character. Mm-hmm. And her first priority, and this is something that kind of expands upon what Michael was discussing earlier, is that each of the characters, uh, we really strive to give them, um, a, a, make them real people. Mm-hmm. And I think the struggle for Lidwana is she, above everything, cares about her, her community and the girls in the community. Mm-hmm. So she does everything she can to protect him, even at the end, she says, I'll take this vow from you. Because at this moment, they've all been put in jail. And um, I think the way that they've decided to to go with it is you, you basically have another option to say, you know, yes, I'll renounce everything. I won't, you know, go through this and I'll just uh, be Return to, to normality. Yeah, so they, yeah, yeah. And basically what Ledouin does is she says, no... I'll do it. I'll go through with it. You guys try to be safe. Mm. But then it, we find out that it's actually too late. And then we have to go to the scaffold. But, think, yeah, so go ahead. No, it's, I think the overriding theme of the piece, for me at least, is the, the staging. I mean, the, the opera isn't written to have huge dramatics and scenery and things. It's really just a series of scenes of people talking. Mm. And I think that the strong theme is just about how righteous, it's not even how righteous necessarily, but just about the choices of these people. Mm. I mean, you go back to the first scene, Blanche comes into this convent and the question is immediately raised, are you coming for the right reasons? And I don't think it's just necessarily talking about whether Blanche is looking for an escape, but it's kind of it's symptomatic of all of the lives of the nuns, whether they're here for really righteous reasons or not. Mm. Yeah. Then that happens throughout the opera, it's then is the choice of martyrdom really a righteous choice or is it not? It's just about a group of people making choices throughout right. the whole opera. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think the point is we don't really know what's the right choice for anything. Mm. It's just people trying to make the best choice. Memory makes choices that other people clearly disagree with, the new prioress. Mm. Blanche makes a choice to join the nunnery, which her family might. really struggle with and even then she's going perhaps not for the right reasons mm. so I think it's really about that um, the position between the choices these people make and people just trying their best I guess mm. and there is no real good or right choice yeah. a lot of decisions being made yeah, yeah. and it's, that's something that it's quite a rare thing for an opera with lots of nuns in to take such a serious look at yeah. religion and divine faith and the, the people within that religious context that you kind of enjoy getting your, your teeth into that. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, and I think it's the, just kind of taking on from what you've just said, it's that thing that for such an overtly religious piece or with such overtly religious themes mm. there are no huge revelations from God, mm. there are no huge moments where people suddenly see the light mm. it's a piece that's full of doubt mm. and full of human choices, not divine revelation, it seems to me anyway. Oh, I think that reflects a lot of where Poulenc 
was in his life, mm-hmm. he actually didn't he come back to write this when after when he was coming back to religion because he went through a period where he I think he was not religious. There were certainly um, he there were times when he was religious and then other times where he lost lost faith and yeah. Um, I think the reason why he's a, I feel like he really puts forth a unique perspective it's, it, it does leave it open for mm. the audience to, to make an interpretation either one way or another I think it's um, it's it's really interesting to to work on this piece because there are so many elements of really kind of human nature in it and the, the familial issues uh, with Blanche and there's the the Chevalier which is Blanche's brother you can you know you can just see a real kind of dysfunctional family relationship between them um, and then the relationships that Blanche then makes with the other nuns um, Constance is the only other novice and they have a very um, sweet close relationship but Constance is on the surface seems very sort of chirpy and happy-go-lucky but then what we've done a lot in rehearsals is talk about her own choices and her own struggles and what's led her to the Carmel and she, there's a scene at the beginning with Blanche and Constance where Constance is talking about her brother's wedding and how she danced and how it was just all wonderful but one has to then pick that apart and think well where's the rest of your family and why are you here and it makes it so much more interesting for us mm-hmm. and adds a real depth to the characters and then to explore how religion shapes their lives and how it influences their choices is really interesting because so often in opera these historical stories god is really at the center of them and if you're not really a religious person yourself Mm. perhaps or certainly most people are not in the way that they were in you know these historical periods it makes it really interesting to explore the real depth of feeling that people had about this and how mm-hmm. it was such a genuine fear for people to think, if I make the wrong choice, I'll go to hell. And that's something that is really worthwhile exploring in a lot of opera because it's so, such a common theme. Mm. And uh, it's, <laughs> interestingly, this was kind of written not too long after uh, The Consul, which was our, our opera last time. And do you guys see any parallels or similarities between the two, even though they're set in quite different periods? Are you just enjoying getting to be I a, do in a, a way, because Magda is a bit of a martyr, really, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. She, she suffers for other people. Um, she... She gave up her life to save her husband. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the, the irony of making righteous choices again because I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure in the console John Sorrell also thinks he's a martyr yeah. even though he's abandoned his mother his yeah. child and his wife who eventually kills herself mm-hmm. so I think it's again it's I mean I think most theatre and most opera is about just choices that people make mm-hmm. and whether those are the right ones or not and also one of the other running themes of the console is uh, certain people are privileged and given things in life um, that other people are just not and the French Revolution is a product of, of that very idea and I suppose for women as well you know it's it's really I mean I'm, I'm really enjoying working on an opera that is about women and uh, about their individual stories and about their strength but it's so tragic in the end that 
their strength eventually brought the end of their lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's the same with Magda, really, is she was so strong and and desperately trying to to do what she thought was for the greater good. But eventually that brought the end of her life. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, as we record, you guys finished tech last week and kind of into dress rehearsal week and getting ready for opening night on Monday. Yes. How's everything going? How are you feeling? You've got one, one big guilt pull up under your belts, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very different production, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's and everybody is working so so hard this is a big team and there's a big chorus and and lots of nuns and lots of habits that need sewn and, and the technical the technical aspect of this opera is so advanced yeah uh, they warned us at the very beginning before we even got into our studio rehearsals that it was going to be a really um technically challenged yeah uh, but what's the word I, I'm looking for it's um ambitious ambitious <laughs> there you go take but it, it starts with an A yes it was going to be a very ambitious production just because without giving too much away there's just there's so much happening mm. with things flying in flying out going from side to side and the light cues and mm. everything it's just going so I have to say that I mean it's been amazing to watch even though we are working with, we're all students, mm. like even the tech team is mm. uh, our students in learning, but they've been so professional and I've been so impressed by them. And it's been incredible to, to see all that happening. So that's been quite intense this, this time. Yeah. <laughs> I think because the, co- the, the console we had, it was, it was in ways a s- sort of simpler production and, um, and, and, simply fewer people in fewer costumes um so to see the kind of the element of teamwork with this is and there are departments that exist that i didn't even know about (laughs) yeah and there are so many you know people who are operating different things and it all really does become this kind of um you know set of cogs all working together and and when it goes right it's so magical and it and it and it is and it will and it's it's going to be a good show i think yeah, it's just been a fascinating process to see everything working together and just everybody cares so much about it and everyone works so hard and everyone wants it to be a success. And I think that's something that we've all learned and, uh, you know, as part of the opera course, that one of the main factors is that we're a team and it's not about one person or one thing. It's about everything working together in motion because at the end of the day, everybody wants the same thing and we want the audiences to come and to enjoy it, but also to be, to be moved and to contemplate things and to feel whatever sense of escapism they desire or will experience. Mm. And, and what have you all most enjoyed about the, the process so far as we head towards opening night? Surely it's the French, Michael. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the French. <laughs> French is a very difficult language to sing in. That's, that's true. What is my most favourite part of the production? I think my favourite, it's a strange thing to say, but one of my favourite parts is actually Tech Week because it's got the reputation for having the most sort of hanging around and the most sort of boring bits. But I actually really enjoy it because sometimes you'll just be up on stage 
you know, having to wait around a bit and the kind of conversations that you'll end up having and the sort of, sounds corny, but the banter. Uh, <laughs> opera banter. Opera banter. Yeah. Or, oh my God, as unfortunate the as it is. The nun puns. Oh, this time around. <laughs> yeah. What have been some of your favourites so far? Oh, Having none of it. Uh, too many bad habits. Yeah, too <laughs> That was probably unconventional. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm, yeah, I know that's that not one. a very good one. Because <laughs> the works written down. <laughs> but in a way, that's that's the fun part as well because you've done you've kind of done the hard work. I mean, mm. the technical team that's their sort of time. that's their time, you mm. know. And for us, we just sort of have to get up and stand in the right place and sing the right notes or try our hardest to sing the right sing notes. The right yeah, <gasps> that, that's hard, harder than anything, I think. But that's. A kind of a time to enjoy it and and I think we've all sort of it's such an emotional piece I mean we've all certainly been in tears on the stage and I don't know if that will happen well I mean not all of us Michael's shaking his head <laughs> he's dead inside um, no, well, my character's dead in the opera well there you go <laughs> method yeah it's such an, a moving piece and it is such it's about a team of nuns essentially and I think it's really been a great experience for us to to bond over that I think I I have to say that my favorite part has been on stage working with people who are just 100% committed to the story it's been amazing unfortunately I haven't been able to share too many scenes with you (laughs) but uh, I mean the difference it makes to go on stage and when you're with uh, people who are just so in it it makes it so fun and I think a lot of that we have to thank uh, um, Martin and Dominic for because just from the beginning we they've just helped us really flesh out uh, the whole story make very specific choices about things and it's it's really I, I've done the show once before and uh, I was funnily enough uh, Mary Marie <laughs> well, was, you mellowed since then I've mellowed quite a bit uh, <laughs> But I have to say this is my my favorite time doing it because it just I love that we've made everybody a real person mm-hmm. and it isn't we're not playing to stereotypes. Mm-hmm. It's it's very much about real people in a really difficult situation having to make in, like life or death decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, we've had the orchestra in for the past couple of days, and that's always oh, that's amazing. amazing. The orchestra sounding so good. Oh, it's so good. It's like it when you it. it I mean, don't get me wrong. The piano is great, whatever. <laughs> uh, but when you get that, just that beautiful lush sound, you feel so mm. much more supported, and like you hear so much more of the story. Mm. Yeah. When you get all those colors <laughs> in. It's always well. interesting when you're when you get the orchestra in and suddenly blocking the director put in suddenly makes sense and you yeah. go oh you, you did know the score <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and also I don't know this now oh yeah and I think one of the things that Dominic really tries to work on with the orchestra is to get them to feel the emotion and feel the story and when he says you know goes over a, a section that we've just done and rehearses it and makes the point of saying to them that you know playing opera is different to playing anything else probably and it's about everything on that stage and in the pit is about the story mm-hmm. and as soon as he says something like that it just somehow transforms the sound and it yeah. makes it so much easier for us to to do what we were doing I, I don't know how I can't put my finger on it exactly but it really does have an effect I think it's just like the feeling of you know we're all in this together and everybody wants the same thing and also you just get that when everybody's focused on the same goal of telling the story it's no longer so much about 
necessarily make the most beautiful sounds, yeah. but the most truthful sounds. Mm-hmm. I think that sounds awful, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Well, a huge thanks to Lucy, Michelle, and Michael for joining us uh, for this podcast. Dialogue de Calmanit runs from the 26th of February, which is Monday, until the 5th of March in the Silk Street Theatre. And it's pretty much sold out, but you might be lucky enough to get a, a return on the day. Or you can head to gsmd.ac.uk slash events for more information. Follow and subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And follow us at Guildhall School on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you.